All right, so today our passage is a little longer than some of the other passages that we have looked at, but it's really not possible to divide this passage. It is so, uh, so beautiful, so powerful, so vivid, and, uh, and it, it, it all holds together to impress upon us that, that we need faith and the power of faith and the gift of faith and the life of faith. And as we deal with the, the question of faith, we, we recognize that we come uh, to this text in a world that does not give faith much value, right? We live in a world that wants to believe that uh, if, if, we, if we use our, our minds and our reason and our technology and all of the different uh, resources that we have broken open in our, in our modern day, that we really don't need faith. We can, we can just win against life. And so we live in a world where there is a certain uh, pessimism towards faith, a sort, a sort of ridicule towards faith. Uh, and yet, as we look at the story in front of us today, there is no answer in our world for what these two people go through. There is nothing that our world could provide this woman or Jairus that could answer their deepest grief and their deepest pain. And at the same time, we recognize that there are Jairuses today, there are women or people today with incurable conditions, and there is nothing that the modern world can offer them in terms of healing or a cure, they are still outside of the reach. And so we recognize what maybe this world does not want to recognize, that when absolutely everything in this world is exhausted, absolutely everything in this world has been tried and, and cannot work, God has given us faith to endure through the very difficult things. The passage today is to show us the good news that we are saved by faith alone, that we are saved by faith alone in Jesus. I know you don't have the, the script because I only have one copy, but uh, there it is. Here is the good news, that we are saved by faith alone. And when I uh, look at this passage, we, we recognize that this, this being saved by faith alone is not just something that we uh, treat as a gateway to our faith. It is something that, that is a sustainer of our salvation. Sometimes the, the church does a poor job of communicating the life of faith by making faith simply something you do to, to be saved, but then you live the rest of your life with as little faith as possible, Right? And yet this passage wants to show us that faith is actually God's gift for every day of our life. That when we say that we are saved by faith, we are not just saved into heaven when we die. We are saved through the grace of God each and every day. The faith that we are called to have in the gospel is a faith that is not just a gateway, but it is the sustainer of our salvation. It is the strength that we are given by God to face the hard and uncertain world. And so it is, it is actually the fact that we live by faith 
in a world that has departed from faith, that we are able to be a powerful witness because we have the only thing that we can still depend upon when everything else in the world comes up short. We have faith. And so today is a, is a, is a, is a, um, is a message that is about encouraging us to live by faith alone and to see that faith alone is good news to us every day. Are you struggling today? As we go through the prayer requests that, that we received, I know we only heard some of them. Every single one of us are facing tough times, are facing uncertainty. We're struggling. Are you, are you feeling alone in this world? If you are feeling these things, then you recognize, I hope in this message, that you have by faith what you need. But some of you may be here and you're wondering, is your faith enough? Do you ever, ever wonder, will my faith survive the really bad news? Will my faith survive the gyrus moment? Right? I hope you pay attention then today as well, because we will see that faith is not only the last, is not the last resort, but it is the only thing that can truly take us through the worst things in this world. It is the only thing that we can secure us. And so we are going to look at this passage. We're going to actually see four different reasons why the message that we are saved by faith alone is good news every single day. I'll, I'll preview those for you right now. It is faith alone in Christ. The first reason faith alone in Christ is inclusive. Faith alone in Christ is sufficient. Faith alone in Christ is sustaining. And faith alone in Christ is rewarded. Let's just look now at that first one. Faith alone in Christ is inclusive. When we, when we look at the, the message that we, the good news, we are saved by faith alone in Jesus, the first thing that makes that good news every day is that it is inclusive. The story begins with Jesus having come back from the, the Sea of Galilee after defeating the, the army of demons and being ejected by the, 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 the garrisons. He comes back and as immediately as he steps on the shore, there is a person and a crowd, always a crowd, but there is a person who you can just imagine the desperation, the panic on his face, right? His name is Jairus, and we're told that he is the ruler of the synagogue. He's a, he's a man of great importance. He's a man of, of significance in his community. This uh, uh, title, ruler of the synagogue, was a high honor given to this man. It probably connoted that he was a man of means and a man of wealth. He was certainly a man of honor. And so he, he is coming to this, this person, Jesus, and he is in urgent need. He, he says in verse 23, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. I mean, can you, you, you feel that urgency that is, that is there in this man? He, is, he has got his precious daughter, who we know is, who we learn is 12 years old. And she has been sick, and her sickness has gone from worse to worse, and now it is at the place where I don't think she's going to live. And he is in desperate need. He is urgently seeking Jesus. 
And Jesus responds. Jesus responds and immediately goes with him to reach this daughter before she dies. And so Jairus has just this spark of hope. I have Jesus going with me to help my daughter. But then on the way, we are interrupted by this story of a woman. A woman who is also in great anguish. And the story of the woman shows up really as an interruption, doesn't it? Because Jesus has been tasked to go to this person's house, and we were already told there is no time to spare, right? And yet, with no time to spare, Mark tells us that in the middle of all of this, Jesus is interrupted, and Jesus is required to stop. And he has to stop because there is this woman who is also desperate, who has come up to, to, to Jesus, Now, we have seen in Mark this technique or this habit of of telling kind of two stories at the same time and where one story shows up in the middle of of the other story, and we have kind of a fun word for that. Uh, Sometimes it makes us a little hungry. Do we know what that word is called? It's a Markin sandwich. This is another sandwich, a Markin sandwich in in the book where we have one story where the problem is presented, but the problem is not fixed because there's an interruption by another story. And these two stories are not just mashed together because uh, Jairus is being delayed. These stories are mashed together because these stories teach us about one common need, which is faith. And so there is a deep relationship between both the woman's story and the man's story. But the, the thing I want you to see right off the top is that Jairus and the woman both come to Jesus, and they're both coming to Jesus in this moment of need, ends up drawing a a comparison. The first thing that that Mark wants us to do is to see Jairus and and this woman and think about them together. First of all, though, we, we recognize that there are some vast differences between these two people socially, uh, obviously, one's a man, one's a woman. Their status is different. Their economic position is different. And then their position in society is different. This woman with a flow of blood would be, according to the law, unclean. She is not allowed to be in the company of other people. Her condition puts her outside, and, and so she is unclean. And so here we have this great contrast. We have a wealthy insider man, and we have an impoverished outsider woman. These are the two people that come to Jesus at this scene. And could you come up with a more polar, different pair of people to come to Jesus than this man and this woman, the ruler of the synagogue and a woman who has been banished to the outside of the community because of a chronic condition that has gone 12 years, right? So you have these two different opposites, and yet what they have in common is what is brought to the stress of this passage because both of these people are desperate. Both of these are in desperate need. Both need what only Jesus can give them. And here is the beautiful thing, the first thing I want us to recognize about faith alone, 
is that because we are saved by faith alone, Jesus receives both the high and the low, the insider and the outsider, male and female, no difference. Jesus receives both without distinction and without rank. Both come to him not by privilege, not according to rights, not according to merit. They come to Jesus with only one thing, faith. And faith is all that we need to come to Jesus. That is the important lesson. There is nobody outside of the gospel offer because the gospel offer only calls us to place our faith in Jesus There is no requirement that you have a certain amount of education. There is no requirement that you come from a certain home. There is no requirement that you have a particular uh, perspective politically. There is no requirement that your kids are great. There is nothing uh, that you have to meet or satisfy to hear the gospel offer and respond to it. It is because the gospel is given by faith alone that it is inviting to all people without distinction. And so as we think about faith alone as good news for every day, let me ask you, can you just come to Jesus on your own? Do you feel that freedom? Do you feel that invitation that right now, no matter what's in your head, no matter what is stressing you out, no matter what failure you're reeling from, you can just come to Jesus. Do you recognize you can come to Jesus as a total screw-up? I mean, a big-time screw-up. You can come to him at rock bottom. You don't have to wait till you get rung one, two, or three up from there. You can come to him at rock bottom. You can come to him in deep shame. You can come to him in in a place of, of utter humiliation. There is no place where you cannot come to Jesus. The inclusivity of faith alone means that you come to Jesus with nothing. And that means that you can never lose anything that disqualifies you from coming to Jesus. There is no good news like the gospel. There is no good news that says, I don't care what you have done. I don't care how bad it's gotten. I don't care how far off the path you are. Just believe in me and I will save you. But that is the message. That is the good news. You don't have to fix or change or be a certain way. Jesus offers himself as a gift to all people at all times by faith alone. Listen to what the Gospel of John says. The the, the meaning of these words are so piercing. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right 
to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Dwell upon that. To all who did receive him. To all who did receive him. It is those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The people who are saved by faith alone, the people who are received by Jesus, are not people who are born in a certain uh, uh, income or born in a certain home or born into a certain life. They are not the people whose blood is, is, is kingly or, or royal or, or uh, you know, some sort of, of high standing. They are not born into the kingdom because they are the most accomplished or the most capable or the most credible or the most merited. They are born because it is God's will that whoever believes in Jesus will be a child of God. This is the great news of faith alone. Faith alone in Christ is inclusive. Do you recognize that what we are saying is that in the gospel is the only place where you can be wholly known. I mean, known every part of you, every secret of you, every thought that you would never let out of your mouth, every memory, every regret, every treacherous thing that has happened in your past, everything that you have ever done is wholly known by God, and yet the gospel says you are wholly loved by faith alone in Jesus. Do you need that truth today? I mean, the, the, the attack of the, of the evil one, the attack of the world is to constantly tell you, you have to become something before you can be worth something. You have to fix what you've done to be uh, loved or, or, or appreciated or respected. You are all, we, we are all dealing with something in that area. But here is the good news, that today you are wholly known and wholly loved because you are saved by faith alone. Amen? Second, faith alone in Christ is sufficient. So this interruption with this woman starts taking the frame and we deal with it for the next several verses, verses 27 to 34. This woman is particularly desperate. Look, look at verse 26. We're told uh, that she has had this discharge of blood for 12 years. She had suffered from, uh, much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. This passage, this verse that, that, that Mark has written for us is like this, this stair step down into absolute desperation. In fact, if you look at this, this picture, this is just taking the verse, and, and it, it just shows you how this verse shows that she has sunken to the absolute bottom. She has had this hemorrhage for 12 years. She has endured then much at the hands of many physicians. And then worse than that, she has spent all of her money and then finally, at the end of everything that she has tried, she has only grown worse. Her condition has only become much worse. You can imagine that this woman 
is emaciated, is, 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 with her lack of blood, her energy is low. She's, her energy is just, is just wiped out. She's frail. And, and, and look at how, I mean, this is just such a total devastation. There has been much uh, pain endured at physicians, not just some of her money, but all of her money. And for years, this has been her condition. Mark has, has in just a, a simple verse, made us know this woman has absolutely been devastated by this condition. And yet, we meet this woman with a singular purpose, right? She's heard about Jesus. And she, she, she has in her understanding that if I just touch Jesus' garment, I will be made well. And so this woman puts all of her faith in getting to Jesus. And you can imagine how dangerous and difficult this woman getting to Jesus was because there is always a crowd pressed around Jesus. And this woman, who is probably an advanced state of fatigue, is pressing and squeezing and jostling and pushing herself through this crowd to get to Jesus. And then also, she is a woman who is unclean. She has been unclean for 12 years. She is probably known for her uncleanness. And every time she pushes past someone or through someone or touches someone, she is creating impurity to the people she touches. And so she is just risking the greatest ostracism that you can imagine, as if anyone saw her would say, get away, woman. And yet she is resolved that she is going to get to Jesus. Jesus is her last hope. For Jairus and the woman, there is nothing else in this world that can help. And so Jesus is all they have left to hope in. But this is why we are people of good news. Because hoping in Jesus is also all they Look at verse 29. She gets all the way finally to Jesus. And verse 29, she touches his garment and we're told immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately, she feels healed. The first time in 12 years, she feels well. She feels healthy. She has finally experienced wellness. And in this woman, we are allowed to peer into three characteristics of the life that Jesus gives by faith alone. What this woman experiences is given to all people who put their faith in Jesus. First, the first characteristic of the life that Jesus gives is him, is that the life that Jesus gives is immediate immediately the woman knows, I am cured, I am well. Consider what Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John chapter 5, verse 24. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. 
He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Do you see what Jesus is saying? He is saying it isn't, it isn't uh, possibly someday. It isn't eventually someday. It is at the moment that you have put your faith in Jesus, in his good news, you have passed from death to eternal life. You have passed from judgment to uh, life. You are already, by faith, possessors of eternal life. You are, by faith, already possessors of a judgment that says, not guilty. That is what you have by faith at the moment of faith. Just as immediately as this woman said, I no longer have this condition. By faith, you no longer have the condition of judgment. You no longer have the condition of eternal death. It has passed from you. The second characteristic that we, that we see in this woman is that uh, the life Jesus gives by faith alone is personal. Is personal. So, so this woman sneaks up behind Jesus and touches his garment. And we're told at that moment that Jesus recognizes that power has gone out from him. And he stops everything. And he says, who touched me? Who touched my garments? Now that's an amazing statement. Because there is this crowd and you know that this crowd is close and that this crowd is constantly jostling and bumping and, and, and rubbing this way and that way. And this crowd of people who is always around Jesus, he is constantly being touched, constantly being bumped, constantly uh, uh, being, you know, bothered by tons of people. And yet Jesus discerns one touch amongst however many. And he wants to know who touched me. And the disciples look at him like, you're bonkers, Jesus. How can you look at this big crowd and figure out which one person touched you? They're all, you know, bumping into you, Jesus. How can you possibly know or find one? But Jesus stops everything. Jesus wants to know who. He wants to know the person. And this is very important. Jesus does not allow our faith to be treated like a transaction. We don't just come to Jesus, take what we need, and go our separate way. We can't just say, Jesus, I need you to heal me, or Jesus, I have a prayer need and I need you now, and go away and disappear. That is not what Jesus allows. That is not what Jesus calls us to. He stops and he says, this faith will not be transactional. Who touched me? And now you can imagine that this woman can just feel like the pressure of the world is upon her because she knows that everybody knows I'm an unclean woman. And if they suddenly discover that I'm in the crowd, that I was jostling all the way through them to get to Jesus, suddenly the shame will be to the roof, right? And yet, 
the woman recognizes, I, I, I am not going to escape this moment. And so she has to come out of the crowd and confess what happened. And so uh, look at verse 33. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And then Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus calls this nameless woman, this outsider woman, daughter. Jesus says, daughter. Suddenly, this woman is not faceless. Suddenly, this woman is not outside. Suddenly, this woman is a daughter of the king. And that is what Jesus requires that he knows you and that you know him. You see, faith is not a transaction. It is a relationship with him. By faith in Jesus, you become family with Jesus. We cannot have a faith with Jesus that doesn't make us family with Jesus. And so uh, Peter, the, the, the apostle who was there in this moment, Uh, He writes in his letter about this aspect of faith. He says in his letter, 1 Peter 1.8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. What we are being told here is that you can know that your faith is in Jesus. Because with your faith in Jesus is a love for Jesus, is a joy in Jesus. You see, a transactional faith, a faith that just says, I just want Jesus to save me from hell, isn't what what the gospel is calling faith alone. The, the, The faith of the gospel is the faith that says, I love Jesus because he saved me, right? And the third characteristic of the life that Jesus gives by faith alone is that it is complete. Jesus says, daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Now, you may look at this and be like, Jesus, why didn't you just let the woman go? Why didn't you just let the woman escape in anonymity? Why did you make her get singled out and publicly seen and focused on by this community that has seen her as unclean as somebody to stay away from? Why did you put her through such fear and trembling? Because Jesus' salvation is not just to cure the condition. It's not just to take away the flow of blood. Jesus wants to restore her to the community. He wants to give her back the wholeness of life that had been robbed from her by this disease that had made her unclean. And so by bringing her out into the center for the whole crowd to see, to see the woman that they had treated for 12 years as unclean and untouchable, as now declared by Jesus as healed, And as daughter to the king, she is now received back into community. 
You see, the salvation that Jesus provides is complete. He doesn't just take care of the one thing. He takes care of the whole thing. He takes care of all of us when he saves us. Our salvation is not just private. It is public. We are restored. We are made whole. One of my favorite verses in in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In the gospel, we have now no condemnation. We have a complete salvation. There is nothing left. We are received by our Lord and Savior as family. So we see that faith alone is sufficient to save us. All that we need, Jesus provides. So what is faith? As we talked about faith just a moment ago, is not transactional. Faith is, is not a feeling. Faith is not a, a force. Faith is not a work. Faith is, is the idea of putting our trust in Jesus. And trust is a relational term. A, a, a picture that I like to, to use for what does it mean to put our faith in Jesus, it, it's, it's, it's the picture of a wedding. When we say the words, I do, to our groom or to our bride, we are saying, I entrust my life to you. I trust your promise, and I give my life completely to my trust in you. And so faith is saying, I do, to Jesus. That is what faith is. Now, the third uh, reason that, that, that uh, the good news of being saved by faith alone is good news every day is that faith alone in Christ is sustaining. Faith alone in Christ is sustaining. We go back to the story of Jairus, and we have the worst possible thing happen to Jairus. His, his friends come up to him and say, the daughter has died. The daughter has died. And you have to wonder, did the woman and her interruption, was that the delay that cost the daughter's life? You have to wonder if Jairus thinks that. If we had had this 20 minutes, whatever it was, could we have gotten there before the last breath? Right? And so I believe this moment with Jairus poses in front of us the question that we all fear. Will our faith survive tragedy? Will our faith survive tragedy? I mean, this is the most costly interruption. This is the worst nightmare. Jairus has lost his daughter. Jairus' hope that Jesus would save his daughter has come and proven null. And it is clear that Jairus is ready to walk away. His friends say, come. Come, don't bother the teacher any longer. And Jairus is ready to walk away because it's over. And yet, this story tells us he doesn't quit believing. Even though all hope is lost, he doesn't quit believing. Why? Because Jesus won't let him. 
He doesn't quit believing because Jesus won't let him. Look at verse 36. After this news that his daughter's dead, stop troubling the teacher. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. I want you to picture verse 36. This terrible news is coming upon Jairus. And Jesus just basically gets directly in front of Jairus. Gets in straight in front of his face. And his words are brushing away, overhearing what they're saying. He is trying to brush away those words and speak directly to Jairus. Do not fear, only believe. You see, Jesus is taking control of Jairus. The bad news hits, but Jesus is there. His voice cuts into the terror. His words are commanding him to keep believing. And they're not just words. What what happens now? Jesus keeps walking with Jairus. We're still going home, Jairus. Jesus always stays at Jairus' side. Jesus walks with Jairus to his house. He was always there. Jairus keeps believing because and only because Jesus doesn't let him go. Jesus speaks, you will keep believing, and Jesus stays at his side, holding on to his belief all the way home. The only reason Jairus believes is because Jesus holds on to him. And this is so important. We do not believe by our own strength. In a remarkable way, Jesus keeps our faith for us. One of the commentators on this passage, James Edwards, says, Faith is not something Jairus has, but something that has Jairus. Carrying him from despair to hope. Jesus' authoritative word to Jairus is not to fear, but to believe. So so what, what, what we're saying here is that Jairus' faith is sustained because Jesus doesn't let it fail. How? How? Well, here's here's what happens. Because faith alone is not just our our I do to Jesus. All right? When we put our faith in Jesus, we say I do. But here's the more important thing. Jesus says I do to us. When we put our faith in Jesus, it is not just our I do to him, it is his I do to us. When you put your faith in Christ, he takes hold of you and never lets you go. Christ will sustain us by faith alone. That is one of the reasons that we celebrate communion every single week. This table is a reminder that God's promise to be our Savior never ends, never ceases is always here. You can always hear Jesus' I do to your faith because he says it to you at this table every week. Finally, as we conclude, not only is faith alone inclusive and sufficient and sustaining, but finally faith alone in Christ is rewarded. So Jesus goes into the room, he takes the mother and the father and a few of his disciples, 
and he heads up into the room where the, the girl is dead lying. And here we are told that Jesus takes her hand and has her rise. I love Timothy Keller's description of this passage. He says, he sits down, takes her hand and says, honey, it's time to get up. And she does. Jesus is facing death, the most implacable and exorable enemy of the human race, and such is his power that he holds this child by the hand and gently lifted her up through it. Honey, get up. Jesus is saying by his actions, if, you, uh, if I have you by the hand, death itself is nothing but sleep. So what, what do we have here? We, we have Jairus and his faith being rewarded by the power of Jesus to raise his daughter from the dead. Now, sometimes we, we, we think about the words reward, and we like to keep that as far away from the discussion of faith as possible. Maybe you ask, is faith being cheapened by looking forward to a reward? Do you ever feel like, you know, rewards and faith, I, I just I feel like I don't want to think about that. But here's why I want you to recognize that, that looking at the reward of your faith is a good thing. The reward of your faith, which is you being made new, you being uh, received into heaven, you experiencing resurrection and reunion, is simply your, your trust in the celebration of your faith becoming reality. It's your trust that Jesus is going to do what he said he is going to do. And there is nothing greater to, to, to lift our spirits, to give us joy in times of hardship than to recognize that there is a great reward coming if I, in my faith with Jesus. To, to be very profane, how, how much fun is it to, to have a, a, a deep uh, faith in the chiefs that they're, they're going to win the Super Bowl and then to get to go to the Super Bowl parade, right? Super Bowl parade is a great motivator. It's a great excitement. And it is the reward of our cheering and our fandom. I mean, I went through almost 40 years before they ever got to a Super Bowl parade, but I never stopped believing, right? And it felt great. The, 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 in, in a far greater experience, when we look to the reward that Jesus does raise his people from the dead, that Jesus does bring back life, that that is a lifter, an encourager in times of dryness. So what is this moment of this woman, of this young daughter being raised? This is an image of the end of faith. By faith alone in Christ, death is not the end. Life, joy, and reunion is. So how can we believe such things can be true? I mean, it is, it is hard to imagine the resurrection. It is hard to imagine that all things in this world will be made right. How, how can we believe such things can be true? The only reason is that Jesus has promised them. The one who has given this daughter back is the one who himself died and rose again to save us. His word that gave life to that girl is also given to us when he says, whoever believes in me has eternal life. Friend, put your faith in Jesus 
and he will be your Savior this day and every day. Amen?